Well, um, as I was thinking about how to talk about this, how to have this conversation, I just, this question came to me where I just thought, you know, well, we know what's happened. What happens now? I mean, what, what do we do? How should we think? What, what are our actions? What do we say? What do we not say? How do we, how do we move forward, right? Because we have to. I mean, you know, um, and, and we, don't, we don't want to forget I mean, we don't want to ignore, you know, and so I just, I just thought to myself, what, what is, what do we, what happens now? And, and uh, so I thought of a few things. I want to kind of frame this discussion with these ideas. And the first thing that I think happens is that, is that we grieve. We grieve. You know, when you grieve, it's something different than, than crying or being sad, right? Grieving is when um, the pain touches your soul. And, and whatever comes out of that, and as I've spent time with um, Leslie in the last few days and the kids, and I've seen their sorrow, um, it has um, painted a picture in my mind that, that of, of grief and, and how we, we can join them in their grief. You know, and we're not the first to experience heartache. You know that. I mean, it's terrible to consider that every day somewhere in the world something like this, this tragedy happens. Um, it happened certainly during the time that the Bible was written. And so the guys that were talking to the churches as they were growing and developing uh, were, were guiding the young leaders of those churches to, to think about how they are to live in community with one another and their faith is to be expressed in relationship to one another. And there were times of joy and times of sorrow. And Paul tells the fledgling church in Corinth in chapter 12, verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And we, over the course of two years, have done a lot of rejoicing together as we've seen uh, new babies come to our community and we've seen uh, you know, promotions and we've, we've seen awards and was, we've celebrated together. And, and, but here we are in this moment where we learn about how to be the church together when somebody is grieving. Um, we grieve with them, right? We grieve with this family. We come together with, with uh, sorrow. Um, we grieve. Paul was telling the church at Rome the same thing when he says, weep with those who weep. There's something so interesting about being in community with one another, not just as friends, but with uh, but at the center of that community and the center of our church is the Lord Jesus Christ because um, the Bible says that we do not grieve as people without hope. So this is not a hopeless moment. It's a hard moment, but not a hopeless moment. Paul's telling the Thessalonians um, as they're wrestling with what happens with their loved ones when they die and they're thinking about it. And, and he's clearing out some confusion at, at this church, this young church in Thessalonica. And he says, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. In other words, we don't grieve as people without hope because those people that are in Christ will spend eternity with the Lord Jesus and we'll see them again in heaven. That's our hope. 
So we ought to grieve, right? I encourage it. I would never say to you, you need to, to hurry up and get over this or get over whatever you're grieving. We ought to grieve and it's healthy and it's okay. It's okay to feel really raw in this moment. Frankly, it's one thing that gets us to touch with a part of our souls that we oftentimes neglect or forget because we live in such a fast-paced, go, go, go kind of a society. But something like this stops everything else, right? In our grief, we go to God's word. Because just as the psalmist said, your promises revive me. They comfort me in my troubles. I want you to know as as we open this, it's um, something we do with great reverence. We open it um, certainly as thinkers and scholars, but we, we, we open it believing that this is God's word to us. And for those of you that are here that are new to faith or don't have faith, and you say, well, how do we hear God in this moment? We, get, we do it by going to God's word. And he uses it to open our hearts. You know, we grieve in a moment like this, opening God's word, and what we can do in that is we can ask the hard questions. This is an okay time to ask God hard questions, and you have them. Every one of you have them. Questions of anger, or bewilderment, or frustration. Things like, how, God, can you allow this to happen? You're supposed to be loving, God. How in the world can this happen? Or, God, why does evil flourish? Why does it seem as if, as if all around us, evil and pain and sorrow caused by evil people flourishes? It's like, when are they going to get theirs, oh God? I mean, I I just have to say, you know, as a church community, the last few Sundays, we began this series called Best Year Ever. Can you imagine that? We are in the middle of this series called Best Year Ever, where I talk about how to think about your health through the lens of the gospel and how to think about... um, uh, your, your money through the lens of the gospel and, the, and through the God's word. And then last week we talk about um, time. And this Thursday, Ash was with David, his group leader, and other men in our group because we have small groups that gather throughout the week. And here they are talking about time and Ash is saying, an application, like we don't know how much time we have left. And just a day later, his life is gone. You know what? In a moment like this, I go, what the hell, God? Why? Why do you allow this crap to happen? I, I ask that, and I just want you to know, if you've got questions like that for God, that God is not looking at you going, don't you ever question me. I, I honestly, the Bible is filled with raw, intense, soul-filled questions. People just like you and me who are going, God. Psalm 94.3, the psalmist says, O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? Psalm 13.2, the psalmist says, 
How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So I just want you to know, if you have questions in this moment, ask them of God. Ask them. This is a safe place. Some of you are new to this church, and one thing that attracts you to this church is that we're just going to get honest before God. There are no easy answers to the questions like, how can you allow evil to flourish? But I will tell you this. The evil in our world is an evidence that we need a Savior. And Jesus came to save. So as I'm asking God that question, you know what what happens to me in my heart, and I would encourage you in in this same way, it makes me long for the gospel to go forward and to touch people's lives, to restore the broken places in people's hearts. It gives me an even greater passion for this thing that we're doing called Neartown Church, where we're sharing the good news that in Christ there is peace with God. It makes me long for the return of Jesus so we can get out of this place. Gives me an even greater sense of the eternal and that our lives are short. So ask your questions of God. Maybe your questions include questions of help. Like you want God, God, can you just help me? I mean, I was with Leslie and as she's weeping, I'm just holding her and she's, she's just, I can, and the only way I know to describe it is her sorrow is so coming from such a deep place. She's weeping and in the next breath, she's praying to God. I mean, nobody was like, hey guys, let's pray. It was like, oh God, I need your help. This is a question that she has and a question maybe that you have. God, can you help us? Um, the Israelites who are talked about in a large part of the Bible and the way we see God relating to them and their experience teaches us a lot about who God is. And in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, there are some words from God comforting Israel as they're suffering. Listen carefully. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. This is from God Almighty. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. It feels like it will. Also in Isaiah forty-nine thirteen, For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. The psalmist says it in a different way, a psalm that's familiar to most of you. When I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. So we grieve, yes. We ask questions, yes. And as you're asking those questions, if you need help, I want you to know that I'm available to sit with you and I won't rush that moment. And if you want to meet with any one of our leaders, like we're happy to do that. And 
I will say, as a side note, to those of you that have kids or are dealing with children, you say, and I've gotten quite a few questions in the last few days, like, how do I tell my kids? I mean, my kids love Ash. So as we're leading them to grieve, that's, that's important, an important place to allow them to ask questions. But not only do we grieve and ask questions, but I just want to say as a final idea that um, we love, right? This is a really, really important time to love. Jesus says in one of his last prayers, he says that the way that believers love one another will say a lot to the outside world about who Jesus is. And so we ought to, as a faith community, we ought to be really intentional about loving each other. And I, I, this is happening already. I know that there's been an exchange of emails and calls and, and text messages um, within our community just saying, I love you and I'm praying for you and I'm with you. And I want you to know that that, that, that it needs to become normal. Our love for one another is so important. And if you're here and you're a guest, you've never been to our church before, honestly, what I want you to do is see in the side the heart of our church. Like, I, I'm not afraid for you to look in, and I think what you'll see is a group of people who truly love one another. Not only do we need to love one another, maybe most importantly, this is an opportunity for us to love our community. You know, we planted this church not for each other. We planted this church for the city, for the neighborhood that we're in, for the street that you live on. This is one of those times where we as a church must stand tall and love people well. We must show up at the funeral we must look people in the eye. And as they're grieving and weeping and asking the questions, we tell them, you don't know me, but I know you love, love to ask like I do. And we want to serve you by loving you and loving this community. We need to love our community well by continuing to do what we've began two years ago. By simply teaching God's word and being authentic with one another in a non-churchy kind of environment so people can hear the gospel maybe in a way they never have before. We need to simply share Christ and the love of Christ in our actions and with our words. Let me tell you something about Ash. Ash loved this church. When Jeannie and I moved in the city about two and a half years ago, the very first thing we did in the community was we went to a uh, kindergarten roundup at Poe. We didn't know anybody. Nobody. Elementary, and uh, we get there, 
And uh, the first family we meet and really talk to is Ash and Leslie. First one. And Ash, you know, he's, um, he can surprise you, you know, because he's kind of a happy-go-lucky. He had long hair past his ears at that time. He's cleaned himself up since then. But, um, you know, and uh, I just really enjoy being with him. And the very next thing they did is they invited us to a gathering at their house. And uh, over the course of two years, I saw Ash go from a guy that was loving and well-loved from the community to a guy that was a godly man. He loved Jesus, and his love for the community and his family went from just being the right thing to do to being the thing that was the greatest reflection of his love for God. Was he perfect? No. As I've talked to Leslie over the course of the last few days, you know the thing that she wanted me to make sure everybody hears? is that Ash really loved Jesus. And Ash knew that Jesus changed his life. Leslie will tell you, their marriage went from being hard to being the greatest joy for both of them. And it was because God changed Ash's heart. So the most loving thing we can do in this moment is to continue on our mission. Continue to share Christ. Continue to invite people to have conversations um, about who is God and who are we and what happens when we die and these kinds of things. And some of you are here and you're skeptics and you're like, you're... You're ridiculous because you've seen an expression of Christianity on the TV or uh, around us that's just not represented Christ well. What I would say to you is that, that um, the gospel we preach very simply is one that God, though we're separated from God because of our sin, there's a way for our sin to be forgiven, and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And in the, at the cross where Jesus died, there was a mysterious exchange where our sin goes to him and his righteousness goes to us. We receive it through faith. And it's for everybody. Rich, poor, black, white. Everybody. And everybody that receives it will someday stand before God And God will say to them exactly what he said to Ash Friday night. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So we've got some work to do this week to love our community. And uh, I hope that if you can, you'll come out. The final details for the funeral are pending availability of uh, the church where we're going to be meeting, which is First Presbyterian over near um, where we live, where, um, where Poe Elementary is. And, and um, it's a great opportunity for us to love well. Let's pray together.